following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. A few weeks back, uh, Tim sent me an email and said, uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 5, so if you want to take your Bible and open Ephesians chapter 5, and he wrote me an email and said, um, do you want to take the men or the women? <laughs> and I said, well, essentially he was asking me, do you want to throw the women under the bus or the men under the bus? And I said, well, I'll throw the men under the bus because uh, better chance of me walking away unscathed. <laughs> so I'm taking the men, and uh, Tim's going to go back and touch on submission, which we'll be getting into some today. But in Ephesians chapter 5, if you take your Bible and open there, uh, we're going to read uh, verses 22 through 33. And it says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now there's a beautiful picture here because um, it's, it's, it's saying that Christ is the head of the church, that uh, wives are submitted to their husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. And Christ would do absolutely nothing to damage his church, to defame his church, to disgrace his church, to embarrass his church. I mean, you can think of any adjective in there and throw it in there you want. Christ will not do anything whatsoever to hurt his church. It's his bride. And so... The inference there is, so neither should men to their wives. And it's a beautiful picture of being reciprocal between Christ and the church and husbands and their wives. And he goes on in verse 25, and he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. And he begins to tell us how we're supposed to do this. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for a new day. Thank you for a good week. And Lord, as we come and we look at this passage on Husbands, Father, I pray that you would uh, give wisdom, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, you would help us to find areas in our own lives, in our own marriages, where we can apply the principles that are here. And so we just commit the time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to be talking mainly to the men this morning, ladies, so you can relax. But uh, before, before I do, I have a little story I want to share with you. There was um, a husband and a wife. They went to a doctor's office uh, and the husband was having all sorts of problems. And so they walk into the doctor's office, and 
the doctor asks the wife to leave, and he talks, talks to the husband. After talking with the husband for some time, he calls the wife into his office, sends the husband out, calls the wife in. And uh, the doctor says, um, you know, I've checked out your husband, and your husband is suff uh, suffering from a very severe case of uh, pressure. He's under a lot of pressure, stress disorder. And the doctor says, if you don't follow my instructions very carefully, uh, your husband could possibly die. And so the woman goes wide-eyed, and she's all concerned. And so the doctor says, now, this is what you need to do. And the doctor says to her, he says, each morning I want you to fix him a really nice, healthy breakfast. And then at lunch, I want you to fix him a really nice lunch, and especially at dinner, a really nice dinner. Just lay it right out there for him. And uh, uh, on top of that, don't burden him with any chores. Don't discuss your problems with him. It'll only make the stress worse. Don't nag him. And most importantly, be intimate with him as often as you possibly can. Sounds like a good recipe, huh, guys? And uh, so, they, so the woman says, okay, I'll try to do that, doctor. You know, she's thinking to herself. And they get back in the car and they start driving home. And the husband says to his wife, so what did the doctor tell you? <laughs> and his wife turns to his husband and she says, uh, he says, uh, he said, you're going to die. All right, that's the women's part. I just, all right, so now, now it's the men, all right? Okay, well, marriage, marriage, is, uh, marriage is certainly uh, a difficult thing. Uh, Donald Trump, when he got one of his divorce, I don't know how many divorces Donald Trump has had, but when he was divorced one time, he said to the press, he said, business is simple, but marriage is very complex. And marriage is complex because in marriage you can't say you're fired. You just can't do that. It's not a business relationship. And uh, marriage is very complex, and it's, and it's hard. It's not easy. Uh, I remember I had the, uh, the, the awesome privilege of marrying my oldest daughter, Karis, back in June of this past year. And uh, I'll never forget that day. And I, I was standing at the altar and, and uh, <clears throat> eulogizing them. <laughs> and, I, and I looked at Karis. And I say, Karis, there's three things that every man needs. He needs to be respected, he needs to be honored, and he needs somebody to believe in him. And uh, she's, she's shaking her head, yeah, Dad, okay, get this over with, I'm in heels, I want to sit down. And, uh, and then I look at Paul, you know, deer in the headlights. You know, you wouldn't know that unless you were standing up there, you know, marrying your son-in-law. He's got deer in the headlights, and I look at Paul and said, Paul, there's three things that every woman needs. And I, I, I thought about it. I said, no, actually, there's ten. <laughs> and, and I have no idea what they are. <laughs> and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of pressure on us from society as men to be men, to be leaders. And yet society does everything it can to demoralize men in our role. Uh, you know, TV sitcoms, we're the, we're the butt of every joke, we're inept, we're incompetent, we're, uh, we're clueless, everyone laughs behind our backs, and yet, and yet when we fail to lead in our families, uh, we're called all sorts of things. Um, society really doesn't help us in doing our job as well as we should as men. It just doesn't help us. Uh, 
But regardless of the fact, even though that may be true, regardless of the fact, it doesn't give us an excuse not to. In Ephesians chapter 5, I've tried to lay this out real simple. Uh, Paul gives us three responsibilities as men in marriage. Three responsibilities that we have to carry out as men in our marriage relationships. And the first one is to, number one, accept your role as a leader. Accept your role as a leader. Uh, Verses 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. So a husband is responsible to to accept God's design for marriage. Uh, Be the leader that God wants you to be in your family, in your marriage. Um, I have several things under this I want to share with you. And this is going to be more, not so much... uh, a preaching message, but it's, it's really more like a mini-seminar, if I can say that. And there's going to be a lot of information here, and uh, you can try to write it down, men, if you want. If you don't want to write it down, then send me an email, and I'll send you the PowerPoint, if that's better. Uh, but there's, there's some information in here. But some things I want to share under this is, is, number one, leadership in marriage is based upon divine placement, not superior abilities. Leadership in marriage is based upon divine placement, not superior abilities. First um, Corinthians 11.3 says, Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So there's, there's a hierarchy in marriage, and Tim was alluding to this last week, but that's by divine placement. It's not necessarily by superior abilities. Now there are some women, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of women, who have much more... Much, much more capable leadership gifts than men. I mean, I couldn't imagine being married to someone like Joyce Myers or Kay Arthur. I mean, I think I'd just crawl under a rock. Uh, I mean, these women are high-powered women. They're leaders. And, uh, but in a marriage relationship, they're not to be the leader. The man is to be the leader. And that's what it says. It says, a husband, for the husband is the head of the wife. Now, it's, it's, it's a reference, this, this is a reference, uh, reference to Christ as a comparison. It's not a job description. This isn't a job description. It's a comparison. And you're to be the leader of your family, not the Lord and Savior. That's Jesus' job. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. You're not to be uh, a bully, not a dictator, not a caveman. What a woman wants in a man, in a family, is a strong and courageous leader. I don't know of any woman that, w- that wants to be married to a weakling in terms of their leadership. I don't know of any woman who wants to be married to a coward. But a man is to be a strong and courageous leader in the context of his home. Um, and it has really nothing to do with chauvinism. It has everything to do with, with one's character and who you are as a leader. So the first thing, the first thing there is that leadership in marriage is based upon divine placement, not, not superior abilities. The second thing I want to bring out is that leadership in marriage is based on Christ's example, not society. It's based upon God's example, Christ's example, not society or not the world's plan of marriage. Now, what's the world's plan of marriage? Well, the world's plan of marriage is 50-50. You know, you do your part, I'll do my part. That's the world's plan for marriage. Um, it's, it's a 50-50 performance plan. 
performance. Um, giving is based upon merit. Affection is given when one feels like it's deserved. Motivation for action is based upon how one feels. And it doesn't work. It's a 50-50 performance-based plan for marriage. Um, it just doesn't work. And God's plan is that it's 100-100. 100% man, 100% woman. And you should give it everything you got. Um, so leadership in marriage is based upon Christ's example. And Christ gave, gave it all for his church. Didn't with, he gave his life for the church. And that's the picture here. Um, you know, one of the things I, I try to uh, tell fellows is, you know, try, try one day, guys, to outserve your wife. See how that works for you. Try outserving your wife at home. Uh, when you try to do that, you, you're amazed at how much they actually do. Especially if you got kids. And I got, I got, I have four kids at home. I got five kids. I got four kids at home. And uh, but try out serving your wife. Leadership in marriage is not a 50-50 plan. It's what Christ did for his church. Thirdly, leadership includes providing the material needs of the family. Leadership includes providing the material needs of the family. So as, as the leader of your family, your, your, one of your jobs is to provide for that family. Uh, 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so one of our jobs as leaders is to provide for our family, and that's really talking about finances, and uh, as well as many other things. So I think one thing, it's, it's important for men, uh, if you're not a good money handler, to learn some skills on how to handle money. Uh, husbands should be willing to sacrifice for his family and allow his wife the flexibility as a mother to be everything that she wants to be in the home. Fourthly, leadership involves taking the initiative in meeting needs. Leadership involves taking the initiative in meeting needs. Um, you know, husbands, take, take a look at your wife this week and the things that your wife does well. You know, try, try to think about your wife and what are the things that my wife does really well. And then play to her strengths. Try to, try to strengthen her strengths in those areas. Now, I'm not talking about finding what her faults are, what her weaknesses are. I'm not talking about nagging, criticizing her. I'm talking about what are her strengths and play to her strengths. Uh, that's how you inspire people to become even greater than they, than they, than they already are. Uh, here's a great quote. Good leaders inspire people to have confidence in them. Great leaders inspire people to have confidence in themselves. And that, that's really what your job is as a husband, is to inspire confidence in your mate so that they can be all that they want, God wants them, to, want, wants them to be in the marriage relationship. Uh, illustration of John Elway, who was uh, voted into the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, his father, Jack Elway, was a college football coach. And uh, on the day that uh, Elway was inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, he said about his father, he said, the only reason that I'm in the Hall of Fame is because of my father. 
his father was that type of leader, that type of man, that he inspired people, his kids, to go on and be something that uh, they never would have been had it not been for his leadership in the family. Uh, lastly, I want to give you a caution, and it's this. Abdicating or abusing your responsibility is taken very seriously by God. And we have to understand that, guys. You know, when you abdicate or you refuse to fulfill your responsibility as a God-given leader in your family, it's taken very seriously by God. Malachi chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says, The Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the way of your marriage covenant, the wife of your marriage covenant, has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit they are his. And why one? Because he is seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Um, so, you know, a husband is never called to force his wife for her to follow his leadership. Rather, he's challenged to be responsible. To be responsible of being a man of integrity, a man of compassion, a man of competence. And then leadership is not a problem. And your wife will want to follow you. The reason why some women don't want to follow men is because, because quite frankly, they're not worth following. They're just not worth following. They're incompetent. They lack in their responsibilities. They're not stepping up to the plate. They're not carrying out the task that God's given them to do. And who wants to follow that? But God's divine plan is when, when we fulfill our responsibility as leaders in our families, I want to tell you guys, uh, following this whole thing of submitting is not an issue. And it shouldn't be an issue. But oftentimes we make it an issue because, because of, our own, of our own inadequacies. Um, so that's the first responsibility. Your responsibility is to accept your leadership. Accept the responsibility of leading. Be a strong leader. Be a courageous leader. Be a leader uh, that, that really steps up. And be everything that you uh, know that God wants you to be. Secondly, your second responsibility is this. Accept your role as a lover. Accept your role as a lover. Uh, Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Uh, accept your responsibility to love your wife. Um, uh, now, it's interesting, Paul, in, 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 in verse 22, Paul says this. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. In verse 23, after he tells, his, tells wives to submit, notice he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't say... He doesn't give a reciprocal command for the husbands. He says, he doesn't say, now husbands, now rule over your wives. That's not what he says. You see what I'm saying? He says, he says submit, wives submit. Well, the reciprocal command would that be, now husbands, now rule over your wives. But he doesn't say that. What's he say? He says, love your wives. Love your wife. <laughs> love your wife. And get that straight, you know. That's, that's, get that straight, yeah. Love your wife. 
Um, and so it's interesting that the sacredness of the church, the sacredness of the church is wed to the sacredness of marriage. The sacredness of the church is wed to the sacredness of marriage. And by your marriage, you are either affirming, you're either affirming or you're denying Christ in his church. Now think about that. If that's true, then by your marriage and the quality of your marriage, you're either affirming or you're denying the sacredness of the church. Because marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. So accept your role as a lover. Now, uh, how do we love? How do you love? I mean, we hear that a lot. Let me, let me share with you several things uh, under this heading uh, that I think might help us to put some traction, give this some traction in terms of, you know, how do you love? Accept uh, uh, being a lover. Number, number one, love is seeking God's best for our mate. Love is seeking God's best for our mate. And that's really what we want to do. We want to try to seek the best for our mate. Um, can we get that up there? Yeah, okay. So, seek God's best for our mate. It's based, not, it's based on an act of the will, not passing feelings. Now, you all know this. I mean, this is nothing new under the sun. Um, uh, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So it's, it's an act of the will. It's not passing. See, the world's plan, the 50-50 plan, is you act when you feel like you want to act, or you act when you have to act. But, but you know, love, love is an action uh, not, based upon, not based upon feelings, but based upon an act of the will. Secondly, love is sacrificial. It's a sacrificial action. It's not good intentions. Now, you want to back up? Don't get too ahead of me. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, go ahead. All right, that's good. Just leave it. That's fine. So love is sacrificial action, not good intentions. You know, we're full of good intentions, but it's, it's when we sacrifice. Christ sacrificed everything for his church. And love, real love, true love, is sacrificial in its actions. Um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, I hear, I hear men say, you know, I really don't feel love towards you. Well, you know, loving feelings come, come as a result of loving actions. And if you don't feel the love, then start doing, start doing the tough love, and the feelings will follow. Uh, loving feelings come from loving actions, not the other way around. Number three, love is given in obedience to Christ, not in response to, a mate, to our mate's performance. Again, that's the 50-50 plan of the world. Love is given in obedience to Christ. It's God's command that we love our wives. It's God's command that we love all people. It's not in response to our mate's performance. And, 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 in, and in relationships, we can get in a vicious cycle with this. You know, when somebody does something, our mate does something that we don't appreciate or we don't like or we feel like they should be doing this, but they're not. And then we get hurt. And then we reciprocate by doing something that they don't like, and then they get hurt. And instead of, instead of coming together, you go further and further apart. And it's a vicious cycle that people get into. But it's when, it's when, you, it's when you say, you know what, I'm going to take the initiative, and I'm going to sacrifice and start doing loving things, 
until you can break that cycle. Number three, love, uh, number four, love is, love is, is, love is expressed verbally and in actions. Uh, you know, some guys say, you know, I, I told her I loved her the day we got married and I haven't taken it back since. Uh, that may be true, but uh, love is expressed verbally um, and in action. So lots of things you can do to, uh, to show love to your spouse, to your mate. Uh, writing notes, uh, buying things. I'll get into that in just a minute. But love is expressed verbally and in actions. Number five, love involves self-denial. It involves self-denial. It's denying yourself in order to meet the needs of someone else. We're good at meeting our own needs. We're really good at meeting our own needs. But when it comes to meeting somebody else's need, that's when it, that's when it requires self-denial, dying to self and going the extra mile. Um, so love is seeking God's best for our mate. Secondly, love's goal is the building up and enrichment of our wife. Ephesians 5, 28 and 29 says this, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Now, I mean, everybody loves their own body. I mean, just look at you. You got up this morning. You took a shower, you fed yourself, you combed your hair, you put your makeup on, you did your whole deal, you came to church. Uh, people have no problem loving their own body. Uh, I go, I work out at a, a gym, and, and I try to find a gym with as few mirrors as possible in Chiang Mai, because I hate mirrors. And, uh, but when I go to the gym, I see all these guys, and all they do is they stand in front of mirrors and they look at themselves. Why? Because they love their body. Uh, people don't have a problem loving themselves. And so he says in Ephesians, he says, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. I mean, when you got married to your wife, you became one flesh. That's your body. And by not loving your own body, what are you doing to it? And so he says... Uh, he who loves his wife loves himself. I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing. By loving your wife, you're actually loving yourself. A couple things here. Uh, a husband's love should nourish his wife. A husband's love should nourish his wife. You can flip over there. You know, become a student of your wife. Think about your wife. Think about what she needs. Uh, not about what you think she needs. Not what you think she thinks she needs. But think about what she really needs. What is it that your wife, guys, really needs? I mean, think about that. You see, her needs are different than yours, and you know that. Uh, you know, you might not need conversation when you come home from work or whatever it is you do, but she, she might. I mean, you may have used up all your words at the office. And you come home and you don't want to talk because you only got 5,000 words in a day and she's got like 20,000. So, I mean, you come home, you use all your words up and you don't want to talk, but maybe she does. And so, you know, you need to talk. Uh, you may not want to hold hands, but she may have a need to hold hands. My wife likes to hold hands. I hate holding hands. Uh, 
But, you know, we walk in a mall and it takes me everything I got to hold. Not because I don't love it, it's just because, you know, it's ties aside and I just, you know, it's easy. But, uh, yeah. Um, you may not need to hear the words, I love you, but maybe she needs to hear the words, I love you. You said it at the altar, maybe she needs to hear it a little bit more often. Maybe once every ten years, I don't know. Um, See, the problem, the problem with guys is that most men want to give their wives what they need. And, and men only need two things, right? <laughs> Food and the other thing, right? It's, I mean, it's real simple. We're not really complicated people. Uh, but that's not what your wife needs. Um, so a husband should nourish his wife by understanding, you know, what are her needs? What are her needs, guys? And then... Find out what those needs are and seek to meet those needs in ways that you know you haven't in the past. Secondly, a husband's a husband's love should cherish his wife. Should cherish his wife. First um, Peter three seven is a great verse. It says, "Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs of heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder." Your prayers. And by not cherishing our wife, guys, you know what? You know our, our prayers can be hindered? By, by abusing our wives, and I'm not talking about physically, but maybe emotionally or other ways, we can hinder, our prayers can be hindered because of the way we're treating our wives. So how do you cherish a woman? Now let me give you some, let me give you some pearls here. Number one... <laughs> Number one, a wife feels cherished when her husband communicates with her. A wife feels cherished when her husband communicates with her. Communicates with her. That's how women spell, spell love. They spell love, T-I-M-E, time. And that's when a wife really feels cherished. Learn to communicate your feelings to her. That's a really important thing. And it's hard for some men, and I'm one of them, to communicate feelings. Uh, but that's something that, uh, that's how we cherish our wives. Secondly, a wife feels cherished when there is romance in the relationship. When there's romance in the relationship. And, and bringing romance into a relationship is often sometimes, uh, it's something that you have to maintain over the course of many, many years. And it's, it takes a lot of work if you want to maintain a level of romance in your relationship. Uh, how can you do that? You can, you can write notes. Uh, you can leave notes. You can buy gifts. Uh, surprise her. Bring her home something she doesn't expect, something that she really likes. There's lots of ways to bring romance into a relationship. The, the important thing is, is that you do it. Uh, it's funny. You, it's, this book that came out a few years back, um, Love Languages, The Love Languages, you know, I think it's a crock. But uh, my wife has all five love languages, okay? <laughs> and, but, I mean, those are some things you can do in there. There's some good, good, good advice there if you, if, you, if you go for that stuff. <laughs> I, I personally don't believe there are love languages. I think, uh, I think we need them all. Number three, a wife feels cherished when her husband is trustworthy. When her husband is trustworthy. And that's really important, guys, especially for those of you who travel a lot. And I, I find myself traveling more and more. And 
it's really, really important that when you go away, that your wife knows that you're trustworthy, that you're absolutely trustworthy, that you're committed, that you're not going to bend the rules in any manner, shape, or form, but you're trustworthy. A wife feels not, uh, cherished when her husband is trustworthy. Uh, fourthly, a wife feels cherished when her husband makes her load lighter. A wife feels cherished when her husband makes her load lighter. What can you do, guys, to make your wife's load lighter? What are some things that you can do to make her load lighter? That's when a woman feels cherished. Fifthly, a wife feels cherished when her husband prays with her and sets a godly example. Taking the time to pray with your wife, to read scripture with your wife. And by the way, that's, that's really where I take that to mean in, uh, in verse 26. It says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. So why? So you can present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or other, any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And one of the ways we can do that is by, uh, by nurturing our wives spiritually. And uh, when you pray with your wife, you often say things that you wouldn't say to her otherwise. It's amazing. Um, so pray, pray. So, man, if you want to be the husband that God called you to be, accept your role as a lover. Love her with a sacrificial love, with a nurturing love. Uh, figure out what she needs and take care of it. And then lastly, your third responsibility is this. Accept your role for a lifetime. Accept your role for a lifetime. Love is unbreakable. It's, love is to be an unbreakable relationship. Verse 31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, that's a, that's a direct quote from Genesis 2.24. And uh, in Ephesians 5.30, uh, now we see it in Ephesians 5.31. And, you know, the time hasn't changed. The, the, the time has not changed the standard of marriage. Marriage is an unbreakable, indivisible union. Why? Because we're members of his body, and you cannot separate his body. Uh, and the point here is, is really where it says to leave and to cleave. Uh, leave here means to abandon completely. The word leave means to abandon completely. That doesn't mean you forsake your mother and father, and, but it means that you change your allegiance to someone else. To sever former ties and create new, a new one with a new person in the design of marriage in the body of Christ. Cleave means to glue something together. So you're leaving and you're, you're cleaving to somebody else. You're gluing something together. And God takes it really seriously. Um, and so the, 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 the whole thing of marriage is for a lifetime. Accept your role for a lifetime. So to accept our role as leaders, accept our role as lovers, and accept our role for a lifetime. And I've been amazed, uh, you know, having been on, lived in Asia for 20 years now, the number of divorces that I've seen among believers who have come out as Christian workers. And they've, they've, they've gotten trapped into, into the trappings of the world. And they've been enticed 
and committed adultery. And adultery takes many different forms, you know. It's not just adultery in terms of sexual sin, but there's adultery in terms of time, there's adultery in terms of your allegiances, or there's, there's adultery in terms of uh, uh, different things that you, that you give your time, spend your time with. And people get drawn apart. And there may even be some in this room, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it, speaking in an audience this large, that maybe some of you are even entertaining the thought of divorce. And some of you are, you know, in a relationship where it's really hard. And you're not communicating. And you, you find yourself growing apart. And, you know, it seems like there's Mount Everest and the Grand Canyon. Um, there's ups and downs. But God says that your role as a husband is to stay. He takes it seriously. So I don't know where you are in terms of your marriage relationship. Um, I can tell you this, that, that I've been married for 25 years. And I don't think I would ever change it. Because, you know, in 25 years, uh, we've grown in a relationship that has gone way beyond anything that I've ever experienced in my life or probably ever will experience. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. And really, the whole point of marriage is that people come together in, 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 a, in a oneness where they become one body, one flesh, one body. Not just in a physical union, but in every way. And yet what happens often in marriages is that is that it's these tremendous trifles that come in. There was a study done by Dr. Gottman, a professor of psychology at the University of Wisconsin, uh, Washington in Seattle. He said this, he said, 20% of divorces are caused by infidelity. Only 20%. Instead, he said this, he said, and I quote, most marriages die with a whimper as people run away from one another, slowly growing apart. And that's really... That's really the crux of it. It's, I, call them, I call them tremendous trifles that just wear on a relationship, and they wear on a relationship until two people find themselves, they, they, you know, they, there's one, there's, you know, for instance, uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't squeeze the toothpaste in the right place. She squeezes it in the middle, not in the end. Uh, when they put the cereal away, they never, they never close the cereal box. Or when they make toast, they leave the crumbs all over the counter. They never put the butter away. You know, all these little things. You know, they never park the car right. Uh, you know, they, they, don't, they don't raise the kids right. It's all these little, little things that just build up. And it's like one brick. And then there's something in another brick. And it's something in another brick. And the, and the wall gets higher and the wall gets thicker. Until you get to the point where you can't even see the person that you married. And marriages go through cycles and they go through phases. And it's really only by God's grace that you can, you can take those bricks one at a time and begin to knock that wall down. Where you can see the person that you once loved. 
I know there's nobody here like that. Right? Um, <clears throat> man, becoming a godly husband, it's a matter of learning to communicate with your wife. Uh, two words to your wife, and that's what I've titled this message, You First. You First. When I got married uh, 25 years ago, my pastor preached a message um, out of the book of Philippians. Uh, always regard the other person as more important than yourself. And uh, Paul says it again in Galatians, and he says it in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, I believe it is. And you find it over and over in Scripture that, that, that the emphasis of Scripture when it comes to relationship relationships is to always put the other person ahead of yourself. Always put the other person's needs ahead of yourself. It's you first. And I never forgot that the day I got married. I never forgot those words. And I've, something that I've always remembered and it's always stuck with me. When my daughter got married, you know what I preached on? Philippians chapter 2. You first. Not the same message, but same, same principle, same concept. You first. It's putting other people ahead of yourself. Looking at other people's needs, being willing to sacrifice your own needs, and put them ahead of yourself. Now, when you do that, when you do that, your wife is going to have absolutely no problem submitting to you. And when she does that, you're going to have absolutely no problem in submitting to your wife. Because that's what it's about. It's mutual submission. I'm sure Tim's going to get into this next week. But it's mutual submission. The whole thing of submission, it shouldn't be an issue in marriage relationships. It shouldn't be an issue. It should be the natural outworking of someone looking at somebody else and saying, you first. I'm putting you first. Let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, your word, for the book of Ephesians. Lord, in our relationships with our wives, with our spouses, and spouses with their husbands, I pray that you would give us the ability uh, to live by your spirit and to uh, be able to lay aside our own needs and look to the needs of someone else. Uh, Father, thank you for the, the picture here of uh, your church, the Bride of Christ, and how you loved your church and gave yourself for her. Lord, help us to operate in those same principles in our own lives with our, with our spouses and people that we know. Lord, we know none of this is possible without the filling of your Spirit, without the reliance upon your Spirit. And so we pray that you would uh, fill us, that you would lead us, Lord, and guide us in our relationships. And Lord, I pray if there's uh, any, anyone here, any couple here that's struggling in their relationship, uh, that may be entertaining thoughts that, uh, that are contrary to what, to what you want. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them. I pray that you would help them to do the hard work. And I pray that, uh, that you would be glorified as a result of it. In Jesus' name.